0: Welcome, podcasters. You are listening to another episode of Tell Me Why, a resource for athletes, coaches, and parents in sport. Co hosted by Dr. Ginny Christerna and U.S. Speed Skating Hall of Fame inductee Patrick Wentland. This podcast is developed as a resource for athletes, parents, coaches, and referees looking to improve player development and performance. Conversations and opinions expressed on the show are not intended as medical or clinical advice. Welcome back, podcasters, to another episode of Tell Me Why. Today, we have a special guest with us today, Garrett Hayward, who is the co-owner and founder of Chicago Nation Football Club semi-pro soccer team. Garrett, really appreciate you having us along and welcome.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: And uh, of course, my uh, sidekick, Jenny, Dr. Jenny Christerna. Uh, Jenny, why don't you start us off? I know you've been drooling about ha- having this time with Garrett to ask him some questions about uh, semi pro soccer.
2: Absolutely. Hey, Garrett, how are you?
0: Wonderful. How are you?
2: Good. So, you guys have a, a nice little break. It's right before the holiday season. So, I'm sure you guys are enjoying family time. But I wanted to also take advantage of this downtime to introduce something to our listeners that many of them don't know about, which is the semi-pro league. A lot of them know about MLS, of course, and the World Cup and all that other stuff, Premier League. However, a number of them are unaware of all of the opportunities in between, say, college or club soccer and going pro, and and how they can continue to play and participate in a way that develops their skills that allows them to compete at high levels. And, you know, Chicago Nation is one of the top, you know, clubs in in terms of the semi-pro under USL2, or is it in line with USL2 or or something like that? But I I want you to talk with us more about that and educate them about it.
1: Sure. Yeah, I'll give a a quick brief so everybody can kind of have an understanding. So, MLS is the top of the food chain in the uh, United States. They have just recently created a second division or what's considered third tier. It's called MLS 2. So they're trying to basically connect, you know, the soccer tiers and stuff at all levels is the whole play there. And then you have a competing brand, which is called the USL Championship, which is considered second tier in the United States. And then they have USL 2. So basically two competing leagues, uh, which has kind of led to a little bit of conflict and stuff as far as the pathway and stuff here compared to where it's in other countries. It's kind of a five-tier system, six-tier system that you kind of just work yourself self through with all the the different levels. And there's what's called promotion relegation. You know, So if a team wins in their certain division, they can move up. If a team loses in a certain division, they can move down. Whereas that really hasn't been an opportunity here because it's been more of a business and about money than it has been really kind of projecting a game and stuff forward. We compete in the UPSL, uh, which is actually the same tier. It's considered fourth division U.S. soccer, uh, and it's actually the same level as USL 2. And then there's one other, I believe, competing league called the NPSL. So all three of those are on the same level. And then everything below us is considered really just kind of your local level leagues. We chose the UPSL because there's, I think, approximately about 375 teams throughout the United States. Wow. And what I saw when we joined was there was a couple of MLS teams that were actually putting their academy teams into the UPSL, which told me that if those guys at the top are doing their research and their homework and they chose to go into the UPSL, it seems like there's going to be a future there. I believe the UPSL is now up to 17, I want to say 16 or 17 MLS academies now. And I believe probably within the next few years, you're gonna see almost every MLS team probably will have their Academy team competing in the UPSL. So I see that as a way a couple of different ways. They get their younger guys the experience of playing against older, more grown men, which I think that there's a couple things going on that this league kind of fits in the category of not only your guys that don't necessarily get drafted or go pro, but it's also an opportunity for these younger players even at the ages of 16 17 maybe even 15 to step up and compete against guys that are grown men and that's what you see happens in all the other countries is all these kids are getting project- like put in these systems at like very young ages like 14 15 16 and they have the opportunity to play against guys that are 20 23 25 28 years old and it really just kind of helps accelerate their their development so you know part of why And the direction that I'm trying to go in now is I'm trying to get my hands on some of these kids that are 15, 16, 17 and get them mixed in with all of our guys that are very experienced. And at some point, those are the guys that will replace all the guys that are a little bit older. And those are the kids that still have the opportunity to actually go pro, um, which, you know, majority of our team has been very talented guys, but they all work day jobs. Right. So their opportunity at going pro their window, they make more money doing their career than to go to some entry-level type pro club. Either they've played pro in the past, they played division one college, they got in their career. But I want to open up the opportunity to be able to get some of these youth, younger kids and stuff into these types of leagues and create that true bridge from like a club level to the semi-professional level.
2: Sure. Now, can you, you said a number of things that I'm sure People are going to be pausing and writing stuff down, and then going back and replaying things. So I just want to be clear that you 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 founded Chicago Nation. You're literally one of the top. What I think last year was it? You came in second or third in the country, but you guys are always winning the regionals. You always win the Midwest, right? Yeah. But when, when I look around and I see you and what your club is doing. You guys do development camps for younger teens. Is this part of that plan you have to develop those younger um, players who might want to go pro and give them a head start with that?
1: Yeah, I mean the hard, the hardest thing for, for me was when you start something from nothing. There's clubs that we've been competing against for that have been around for 50 plus years, right? So these guys have a, a rich history. They have a fan base. They got youth clubs, right? So they got they they got a a history in their area or their town or their region or whatever you want to call it. They've competed in national amateur leagues. They've done all these things and had a lot of success, some of them. So for me, the, the main focus, I know that we had to basically go from nothing to like the top really fast and stay there for a good three, four five years in order for us to be somebody that was really considered a, I'd say one of the top brands, you know, in amateur right. soccer in the United States. And I've been fortunate that we've kept together most of our players And we've had a really talented group of guys that were actually originally with a program called Bridges, which there's a guy by the name of Brett Hall, who has been one of the biggest soccer figures here in the Chicagoland area. He actually was a guy that ran a a little club that I used to go and play at when I was a kid called Glen Eyre. And him and I have kind of reconnected. And a lot of the players that I started my team off with were guys that have been through his program. And he was always trying to get those younger kids the opportunity to go play overseas and that's kind of how my team originated as covid had hit and a lot of the guys that were overseas they had to come back so i kind of took advantage of a market that a lot of these really good players didn't really have anywhere to play mm-hmm. so and that whole like issue that happened at let's say 8 to 12 month stint that the whole world was kind of shut down we basically took a team and and really kind of made something of nothing and those guys didn't get the opportunity to go back and play pro or whatever the case may be, or it was maybe their last year of college. And they didn't get to go back and play college because it, it just kind of skipped. Right. So it was, it was kind of fortunate, lucky, I'd say obsessive and just the will to just compete and, 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 and go as far as we can. And the guys believe in they, they believed what we had. And I didn't miss one practice and not missed one game. My my wife, God bless her soul, was very very kind and let me disappear for a lot of these evenings and weekends. And uh, but I think it's really gotten to a point now where it's like, what do we do that's next? How do we keep this going? How do we really leave our our, our impact and history change change the landscape of soccer here? And I think that's my that's my big focus and stuff over the next three to five years.
2: Wonderful. Wow. It, so so here's oh were you gonna ask something, Pat?
0: No, I was going to say that's just impressive. I, and I see I, it's just very forward thinking and taking the opportunity during COVID to really develop that. Seeing these athletes come back from Europe, they're itching to, to play, they're itching to, to keep doing what they're doing. You saw an opportunity there, and it's it's not only going to help them, but creating a, a, a pipeline for, like you said, these younger kids to, to follow their passion or the sport. That's just, yeah. I love it.
2: I love it. And, and Garrett, what's 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 the benefit if 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 somebody wants to go pro and they're like, oh, maybe I didn't make it, or maybe I don't know how to get there. I can't get on a an academy team. Right, everybody's trying to get their kid on the academy team. What what are the benefits of looking into like a Chicago Nation or another UPSL? um team and and get developed like how how do they even go about that what does that look like for athletes and parents well i'll say this
1: the at the club level to play academy it's it's very expensive for a lot of parents some of these clubs out there they charge 2 to 5000 dollars a year for their kids to play so it creates a, a little bit of a tough i'd say path forward for some of these kids that don't really have the the funds and the stuff to kind of go and play with some of these academies. So there's a there's a, a a little bit of a lost you know, I'd say effort and stuff there that these kids don't really have the opportunity to be seen. There's a couple clubs out there that do a really good job connecting to the Division 1 schools, Division 2, II, Division 3. There's a couple clubs that have had players obviously sign overseas and do all that but really once these kids turn 18 years old if they don't get they don't go play college or they don't get like let's say signed by a pro team it's it's really tough there's kind of a a window there of 18 to 23 years old where some of these guys these really good players they just kind of sit in limbo and that's kind of where we have found a, a really good niche and you know my goal is how do we fix it right how do we solve that and like how do we change it i've noticed that since we've done what we've done, a lot of teams have really kind of elevated their games. It's been hard. There's been a lot of ups and downs and, and 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 critics and stuff along the ways, but that's always kind of told me that hey, you're doing something right and I came into an industry that these people were established and they had they had a rich history of of success and You got some young punk guy that comes in and he's doing it really well and he's doing it again and again, and they all want their shot and dethroning you kind of thing so I just want to have everybody working together and see the path. And if they really care about doing the right thing, then some of these things and some of these ways that these guys have been doing this for the last 20, 25, 30 years, whether it's a pride thing or whatever it is, we all need to basically come together and focus on what's the main product. The product is these kids and having a true pathway and opportunity, not just feeding them a line of, emptiness that isn't going to equate to anything just for their own benefit. And I feel like there's been a lot of false promises. There's been a lot of manipulation and stuff with with telling these kids that, hey, we're going to get you this, we're going to get you that. And ultimately, it's really just been to that, that club's benefit because they just want to win whatever leagues they're in or whatever tournament or whatever games. But ultimately, I've seen there's a lot of people in this industry that haven't really taking the proper steps to make that a reality for some of these kids. And there's a good there's a lot of good people out there too, but I'm just saying as an industry whole, that's kind of where I've seen it's 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 lacked.
2: So how would a parent they can't do MLS I mean, I'm sorry, or, or academy clubs or or getting to the MLS Next Academy, for example. What what it, the way I am hearing it is that being able to get developed in like a UPSL club like Chicago Nation, I think Sweniels has one. I'm just familiar with a couple of them. But that yeah. is that option a good option for those parents who say, hey, my kid, they they don't get called back from their training at MLS Next. Is yeah. that something that could be an option for them? And
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, so we actually just started a training and development academy. It's not something where I'm, I'm getting into the actual youth market. Uh, because that's a, a a very different industry, and I I really don't want to deal with uh, running a youth club. But if we can be the the development side of like the extra training and stuff in between for some of these kids, so then they can either progress and have the opportunity to then go make one of those academies, progress, have the opportunity to be called up to Chicago Nation's first team or second team, or get placed on any of these other clubs. That's really kind of the goal of, of of what we're starting. So I got. I started a development program about three months ago. and We're up to about 60 kids and they range from God, now 12 years old to 25 years old. So we got a mixed bag and I got 12 year old kids going out there and competing against these 20 year old kids and their parents are coming to the development thing. They're like, Hey, my kid hasn't had this kind of training at their club. He loves it. He won't stop talking about it. He's asked me five times when's the next training and stuff. And I can't, I can't wait. He's telling all of his buddies. So it's, it it just kind of tells you when you hear those things over and over that, hey, you're doing something well. So, and and we have, we, we treat those kids the same exact way that we treat our first team guys. So I'm involved. I go to pretty much everything that I can possibly go to. I have good relationship with all these kids, you know, every single one of them from the youngest to the oldest to the most talented to the kid that needs obviously more development. And whether I got to go be the ball boy, the water boy, whatever the case may be, I've always made sure to treat all these kids well, but give them value. Right, And I think the quality, some of these guys do just get kind of pushed aside and some of the kids that you thought would never have a chance to just get cut from tryouts and all that stuff, they're now excelling to where I feel like, well, I could actually maybe pl- plug this kid into a game and actually probably do something pretty well. And he was yeah. a guy that was maybe in the bottom 10 of a tryout that got cut and just going to fall into that category where nobody's going to nobody's going to look at him because he's got nowhere to train. Right. So, So,
2: Garrett, answer me this question. So so say somebody, they don't go to college, they play soccer, you know, soccer or whatever, and you said they might get called up to, say, Chicago Nation or UPSL club. What, is, what does that entail? How would they get, you know, selected by a UPSL club? How do they try out? Like, what does that even mean to, to try out? What are you looking for? That kind of stuff. So teams hold
1: tryouts. We, we try to hold a tryout before the uh, beginning of every season. I'm constantly on social media. Our social media is very very strong. That's been kind of the I guess the underlying I'd say big success of why we've, you know, gotten as big as we have is our social media has been just our branding's been fantastic. So I find a lot of kids through that. When you're in this industry, it's very small. So once you start meeting a lot of people and the word gets out, naturally a lot of people just kind of come to you. Kids refer kids, friends refer friends. Parents talk about it. People share our stuff on social media. So there's lots of different avenues that people can find these clubs. Uh, We're promoting it all over. The UPSL is now promoting it all over. You can Google all these things and these things come up on online. And I think more people are now educated about the UPSL because when I started it, not really a lot of people here in this industry knew about it because all the guys that ran all the local leagues here. That's all that really existed. So the outside national type leagues, they didn't exist here. And there's some, there's some reasons behind that, but that's for another day.
2: Now, I'm going to ask you the, the, the $6 million question. Do they have to pay to be on a, UPSL in a, in the, uh, on a on a UPSL team, or do they get paid? Or how does that work? Because people, they're used to paying. I mean, what does that look yeah. like if they do?
1: So our first team guys don't have to pay. It's been funded. The problem is, is there's no funding at this level. So if you don't have something that's got deep pockets or sponsorship, stuff like that, it's all pure cost. So since I've started this, I spent probably 175000 somewhere in that range. And this has been a glorified hobby for me. And I don't have deep pockets by any means. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a salesman. I sell window siding and doors and didn't go to college and just kind of find my little niche doing that. And I enjoyed it and I was good at it, but I was smart, invested well, and didn't really ever live beyond my means. And I, I decided to throw some money at this a lot more than I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to be maybe a ten, twenty, 20, $15,000 investment. It's, we just kept winning. So it just kept becoming like, well, what's next? What's next? How do we keep doing this? How do I keep it going? We've had some great and wonderful sponsors along the ways that have helped us. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out actually right now to one of our, our number one sponsors. So it's called C1 Transportation. So Danny, Wojka, and Nick, um, they've been they've been a blessing and stuff for our club. Uh, without them, we wouldn't have done some of the travel, uh, traveling to um, Columbus, uh, traveling to, God, we've been all over the place, Arizona. We've gone to Virginia. So without the, the help of some of these wonderful people at these companies, some of this stuff isn't possible. So if you make our first team, you don't have to pay. The training and development program that we started, we are charging for that, but we've tried to make it a very reasonable cost to charge essentially $25 a session, which if you guys know anything about private trainings, people are charging 60 to $90 for one hour. And yeah. the fact that I'm offering three trainings with all of our top level people at a very high quality for 25 bucks a session, it's a very good alternative to getting these kids really good proper training that's... I would probably debate and argue that's going to be better than anything that they'd see at the club level.
0: I I'd agree um, with you. Yeah, that's, that, uh, that, you know, that's kind of what please. helps.
1: That's 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 what helps cover our basic costs. So all that money that comes in from that will pay the, the the field rentals. We'll pay the coaches. The coaches do it for very minimal, you know, very minimal pay. But all that extra money will go towards the sustainability of keeping the field rentals, the cost of the league travel gear equipment stuff like that paying for we have we have announcers we have broadcasters we have a trainer an athletic trainer at the games obviously we have a wonderful refereeing staff that does a great job and stuff all these things all the money kind of goes towards covering all the costs that goes along with these leagues and programs but Do yeah have- that's kind of what we have so far
2: do any of the players get paid at at any point as as people are uh playing upsl usl before they get to produce does a salary or a fee per game or anything like that come to, so legally, to the players legally or that... at,
1: the amateur, at the amateur level legally you're not supposed to pay players so they are considered amateur players at the usl two, upsl and npsl level now there are a lot of teams um Hmm. That have come into our leagues and they 've gone the paid players to play type thing, and they try to basically instead of building a team, they just go hey here 's a hundred bucks here 's two hundred bucks here 's three hundred bucks, and they try to assemble a super team of all the top you know guys around and we've kind of proven that doesn't really work when you play a very structured organized team because a lot of those guys that do that they also play on. 10 12 15 other teams so by the time they get to one of those games they're they're maybe on their second or third game they maybe don't have the chemistry and even though individually they're very talented it's hard to beat a team that's got a chemistry and has got a history of consistency so we've seen kind of all different approaches and right now i would say the best approach is for and it's the hardest one is for you to actually team build it's to get some of these core players Get some of the younger guys around them. Get some of the the veteran guys around them, and and really build something that's sustainable. The problem is, is everybody wants this motto of, hey, you got to win now, right? So win now, and the patience and stuff that you see of these people in this industry, it's 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 not there. They don't want to go through the trenches of of building. They just want the satisfaction of now, which is yeah. kind of what you could say for a lot of the world today, right? Yeah.
2: And I and I know I'm kind of hogging you and I know Pat, he's, he's so nice with me. And so jump right on in Pat, you know how I go. So, yeah. so for those individuals who are like, okay, I want to be on, on the first team, you know, the, 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 main team for a UPSL or a USL club, what do you look for when you're deciding who is going to be on those, on those teams that you're going to call up? What's important to you? Because you're marathon runner, you're not a sprinter, right? You're, you're sustainability, it sounds like. What do you look for?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. You know, I've kind of had to put aside, I'll, I'll be very blunt, I've had to put aside some of my personal, what I really, really look for in a person and a player, because there is kind of a threshold here where even though some of those guys that I really would rather have on our team, I knew that they couldn't quite get us over the hump or over the hill whether it was just they they didn't know how to really read the game and really understand how to win you could they could be the best training player they could be the most humble they can be the best teammate they can be all those things but there's still a level that is needed to be able to overcome those guys that really have that extra it factor and i i've kind of had those guys that have had that it factor that there's a couple of guys on our team that I just feel are just unstoppable. And some of those guys are my most difficult people to manage. And it's kind of like, well, you're tough to manage, but you're damn good. Excuse my French, but you know, it, it's, it's been a balance. Every team, you have to have a balance of these people. You also have to have a good leader that can keep those guys mentally in a good state of mind. I talk with my players nonstop. I call them, Text them. You know, hey, what you What are you doing? Hey, what was this all about? I I I found a way to communicate to really all these guys that are all at different levels, and and found that way to reach them. And it's amazing that just if you can find a way of what what's important to these guys and how they communicate and how they respond to things, everybody responds differently. The the one style coach where he's just yelling and screaming the entire time, that's not going to work for half these guys. They tell him kick rocks and get lost and they find somebody else and they'll go somewhere else. Some guys need that, right? Some guys need a kick in the butt. They need to be told what to do. They need, they need somebody that's stern and to hold them accountable. So it's been, like I said, wearing many hats and, and that's part of the, that's part of the hardest thing. I think what running a team is, you have all these different guys made up of different backgrounds. You know, I'm dealing with guys that have been coached from all different sorts of clubs with all different sorts of philosophies, good, bad, all the in-between and you get kind of handed this like, you know, project of, of the unknown and you got to try to figure it out and kind of go along with whatever comes your way. And I think that's been one of my probably strongest suits is just dealing with people. I mean, that's what I've dealt with since I started my job, my career, managing salespeople, just meet with customers, clients, being patient, right not not overreacting to things but really knowing how to communicate with these guys and i feel like that's gotten kind of the best out of people that other people probably wouldn't have had that kind of success with them on Mm
2: -hmm. so say they're good everybody's Mm -hmm. good everybody's like beast mode they can turn it on when it needs to get and they can get over the hump what do you look for what are some of the deciding factors
1: i mean heart (laughs) a guy that's willing to go and do you know, run through a run through run through a brick wall for you. A guy that's willing to go snap his leg. I, I know it's a bad uh, expression and stuff, but there's a few people that you see that just have that next gear of they'll do whatever it takes to win, right? And and the guys that know how to win. Uh, and that's really really hard because it's not something you can really it's not something you can really explain. You can almost just kind of see it and feel it. And there's certain people on our team that. I just know when those moments and stuff come that they're going to rise up and they're going to shine. And they may not be the guy that everybody likes on the team because of X, Y, and Z reason. But I know that when we need that moment for that guy to rise up and be a star, that there's something in those guys that most people don't have. So I really don't have a good answer for that. It's just it's kind of a feeling. I promise you, I'll think about it. And maybe next time we'll do. It, I'll give you a more solid answer. But it's really just kind of an intuition,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and maybe it's from me playing sports and problem solving on the field and like you know adjusting in the field and knowing how to. One person starts doing this and it's working, and I got to adjust and do this. And there's just people that have that ability mentally on the field that are just different than some of these players at all. Are very good. They're all very technical. They're all very skilled. They work hard. They have all these things, but some people just have something that. Unless you just figure it out and get it, it, it's it's very very hard to teach and it's very hard to bring out of them.
0: Yeah, Ginny and I have talked about that quite often, and we've had a lot of podcasts, and I really and we call it the want to win, and mm-hmm. and we've we've even talked about there just being different levels and different people, and you can tell that that one guy like who's willing to go out there and snap a leg, like you said, yeah, he's got want to win that like up here where. This guy is willing to go so far. He's maybe he's giving you know push himself a little bit. This guy maybe a little less and what they're willing to do. And finding those athletes that want to win more than anything, willing to sacrifice their body physically, train harder, eat better, sleep, train better. Those are the guys you're look for. I know I, I, you can see yeah. it in their eyes. You can see it in their performance. And and we we've, we've talked to our our listeners about this developing that ability to want to win everybody thinks they have it they they all think like oh yeah i want to win i want to win all right well you want to win but what are you willing to do to get there and how far are you willing to take that you willing to take that as far as the next guy and the next guy because there's always and jenny and i've talked about this a lot there's always somebody out there willing to push it a little bit more than you are
1: it's true and I mean, I, that's the hardest thing I have to deal with. I mean, I, I everybody asks me, it's like, hey, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? How do I get on the first team? How do I get minutes? It, it, for me, it's 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 hard to answer that for these guys. And I want to be direct with them because that's the best way to be. But it really just comes down to like, number one, I have to have very good confidence in this person. I have to know that if I put that guy in a position, that I can count on him. And it, even if he Maybe loses that battle in that position. I know that that guy left everything on the field, and I'm okay if we if we don't if we don't win, I'm okay. Yeah. We lost some we've lost some big games. I mean, heartbreaking games. It's it's funny because I I thought I would have been very very upset, but when I know that those guys went out there and I would live or die with them, and you go to war with them, it's it's okay. And they come up and they're apologizing. Some are they're tearing up, and you can just see that they're just absolutely shattered and. It's frustrating because I think I want more for anything. I want them to experience being a national champion. It's very, very difficult getting to the point of where we've gotten to, and we just haven't gotten over that final hump. But then when you look at it, it's like, okay, well, no team has gone to the final 16 in five straight seasons and had the dominance that we've had. It's more or less come down to just commitment. When we've gotten to those moments of like these travel games, because it's hard if guys got jobs and they got responsibilities if you don't if you're missing two or three of your players guys at this level, trying to plug somebody in at that point it it just it doesn't work we played we just lost a columbus crew they just won the m l s championship so very very good program their m l s two team took second in the country their academy team is now in the final four of the u p s l we played them in a the round of sixteen at historic crew Stadium in Columbus. So not only do we have to travel to them by van, right, which is a six-and-a-half, seven-hour type ordeal, stay in a hotel room and all that stuff. You know, now we're going to play a game against a team that trains five days a week, has a 4 or $5 million budget or $3 million budget. They got 15 people on their staff. They got analysts. And I'm missing three of my guys that have been our core guys for the entire season. And then we take them to penalty kicks, and we lost. I think it's I think it's more of just it's more like what if? What what if we had this? What if we had that? I do this at a seventy five, sixty thousand dollar budget a year, and how do we go out there and compete against guys that do this for a living and they have all the unlimited resources? That's where it also tells me that hey, there's there's a lot of smoke and mirrors out there and a lot of people protecting this brand that I'd love to expose it in a good way.
0: Yeah. Well, Garrett, that's, it's impressive. And I I think your, your athletes got to know, I mean, it sounds like they, they can put their heads, hold their heads high competing against these Columbus teams that have these huge budgets. I've been in similar situations. You're going up against teams, athletes that are high paid, high dollar equipment, everything. And they're, they're not any better they're really not mm-hmm. they have a few perks that help them over that edge a little bit maybe have higher numbers more more athletes to choose from like you said you're missing a couple of guys cuz they have a real life that they kind of to do but yeah that's that's an impressive story it really is it's Yeah, amazing. and
1: i mean it really is it really is a tribute to some of our guys we've had isaac you know Jeanine, Jeanine isaac really well he's he's been a captain of our team now for god really since we kind of started this This guy Sasha Lobovich he's been kind of the heart and soul of our team we call him the general these guys are they're different and they've helped me so much along the ways because you know a lot of these guys on our team they got more soccer background and knowledge in the in the game than I do and for me it's been wonderful to learn from these young men I've tried to help them more on the life the life side of stuff which kind of ultimately ties back into sports and sports ties into life Right. So that's something that I'm very excited about this year. I think that there's big things coming. We got a new head coach. His name is Matt Pearson. He was with the Chicago Fire and he was the head one of the head scouts in the United States uh, with the fire for nine years, played professionally in Scotland. And Jenny, you mentioned it. He was the guy that was with Swayneo. So we are doing, we are collaborating now and connecting some of the dots and stuff here my goal for this season is to unify some of the top figures of soccer that have impacted this game here for the good and my hope is that what we do this season and this year will be something that we can help kind of pave the pathway maybe for the next 25 50 years and hopefully people will look back and say holy cow these guys were a pretty pretty amazing story
2: Yeah. I think that will probably happen probably sooner than you think. Let me, let me ask you this. So what would be the benefit of doing like a UPSL? Like, is there a chance? I mean, there's always a chance, right? But can people get scouted at say a UPSL, USL and then, and, and still find a pathway to MLS?
1: There's been several, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but they've had, you know, a handful dozens of people that have gone from UPSL to sign pro contracts uh, the team that we actually played in our first final four we played them in a national championship um, it was our first season uh, There was a team called Kalanji Pro Profile out of uh, I want to say Atlanta Georgia they had on that team probably five or six guys assigned pro contracts after we played them there was a team last final four that we went to this was not last season a season prior so spring season they had a 16 year old kid named Diamande and I heard about
2: that kid.
1: this kid was unbelievable I mean I, I I thought a couple of our guys like were holy cow this kid was this kid was phenomenal for his age 16 year old kid I mean he looked like a grown man and we haven't seen a guy like him and I wish we were a little bit better prepared. This comes down to kind of some of the video analysis type stuff. We could have had a better scouting report on this young man. And I think we could have maybe done a little bit better, but he came out and just kind of shocked us. And I think the moment and then just kind of getting shocked like that, being in a in a different state, it threw us off. But he he signed a pro contract. I, I know there's, there's many, many stories of guys signing pro contracts out of the USL2, out of UPSL, Many different stories of that. I don't. I don't know the exact. So I really can't comment an exact number on it.
2: And so, and the reason I ask that is because I know parents and their um, children, their athletes, are listening. And I know that a lot of high schoolers who don't necessarily get a chance to play club because it may be unaffordable, right? These are things that are important to them because they're all looking for another way. What's another way to get there? There has to be another way. And that's why I wanted you to come on to talk about this is another way. It's not a guaranteed way, but there's another way. And these are the things that you can do. So I I think that's great for people to know because then they can start doing some more homework. Yeah, here, I'll I'll elaborate on this a little bit. So so look, I, I think
1: most people, they have their kids join the clubs because the clubs depending on the club may have a rich history of getting a lot of these kids into colleges. For example, the soccer's program has been one of the most elite programs, you know, to my knowledge, since I've been playing, you know, since I was four years old, I'm, I'm 36. I'm going to be 36. Sorry. They have produced more pro players than anybody, right? So they're a program that has produced more division one college players than than anybody. But I think that, you know, if you're not able to play on that team, because not everybody can play on these certain clubs that are elite, this is another pathway that if you look at some of your mid tier clubs out there in the industry, there may be a better pathway for some of these guys, especially on the exposure level, because the UPSL is a huge brand. And if they're getting some national attention, and they're also getting another thing that we all forget about is good quality footage like that's something if these kids don't have quality footage college coaches and 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 professional clubs they're not able to analyze this stuff because some parents recording it with a a, a recorder from the sideline and it's raining and it's like how can you even see what really happened there right so one of the things that we've really focused on doing you know to kind of build that platform is I've tried to have the best broadcast that I can have and I've spent a lot of money on doing it but I mean we'll try to have the guy up high with an aerial view a nice high definition camera, announcers, right? So you really get like a proper setting to really get exposure and stuff. And then with building the social media that gets these kids that gets them the attention and stuff. They can make their own video highlights where they can send to these colleges. And I think ultimately having people that really have connection is a big thing. Like one thing that I'm really focused on is having people that have a true connection to these professional clubs and, and colleges so Matt Pearson, the guy that's just recently joined from Swayna with us, and now he's with Nation, he has worked with all these colleges and he's placed players on those Division One schools and Division Two schools. He's placed players overseas. He has his own agency. Homegrown player Chris Brady, the Chicago Fire goalie. He's one of the, he's one of his clients at Mag Mile Sport. So that is a real true pathway where somebody comes and plays for you know our club and our brand these are real opportunities that we can create and bring that some of these teams and clubs don't have yet and i hope by doing this we'll lead by example and more people will start to go hmm i can't just keep doing the same thing that i'm doing because i'm losing players to other good clubs and if i'm not adapting and 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 being creative i'm going to fall behind right and and that's kind of what i'm trying to force in this industry and it's going to piss a few people off but ultimately, if it helps them raise their game and elevates their game, it's a win-win for everybody. And there's enough to go around, and a lot enough players. And the soccer sport is since Messi came over, he just projected everything five to ten years here. And with the World World Cup and or like the World, uh, what do you? Oh my God, I can't blink The FIFA World Cup is coming here, right? So that's something that's going to be absolutely massive, and you're going to see a lot of people that weren't soccer fans are going to be out. And they're soccer fans. I remember when the Blackhawks did really, really well. And Patrick Kane and Tays and those guys, I mean, everybody all of a sudden was a Hawks fan. I'm, I'm hoping that that stuff kind of really kind of happens with soccer. And I would imagine the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball, they probably don't want soccer here because they know that it's massive, you know, throughout the world. And it really could take over the take over sports.
0: I think it is growing, and I think it is going in that direction. I mean, some of those other sports just get so much media attention, it's hard for soccer to to fit in, but it's it's either as equal or less expensive in some ways. It's easy for athletes and parents to access and, and to play. It's just anybody can play in their backyard with a ball, any kind of ball.
2: You well, know, it's, it's, it's international sport right. basketball and football you can get basketball in other countries in europe but it's not like all over the world like soccer is yeah. everywhere you can play on dirt you know and you it's internet it's all all over the world and i think you're absolutely spot on pat the media but media goes where where the money goes where the attention goes and so that yeah. that will do the draw and i really like the fact there that garrett you're very forward-thinking which, and I know we don't have much time, and I want people to hear a part of your story, because you're a multi-sport athlete. And you're like, hey, I got a day job, too, just like the players got a day job, but we have a dream, and we have a passion and this this hobby. Yeah, what this is was it- 15,
1: this was like 15 to 17, 18 years ago now, but yeah, once upon a time, I, I was in everything. I played soccer as a club, club soccer player since I was four or five years old. I, I played with my local Glendale Heights attack team that was 250 bucks for the whole year with a dad coach. Yep. And all of us were, we were best friends, um, which was was fun because we really had a chemistry together. I mean, we'd go to, we'd do everything together, birthday parties, hanging out, riding our bikes, messing around, doing, getting in trouble, whatever the case may be. But we would compete against all these teams that had all these super players that were just kind of plucked from all the best players from different towns. And we would compete against those guys. And a lot of it taught me something that it was like, it's not just about having talent. It's about having heart and the willingness to go out there and fight for your teammates. And that goes a long way. So it was kind of that underdog story. One of my favorite movies and stuff growing up as a kid was actually The Mighty Ducks, and most of my theme, I don't think anybody will know this, but I like the USA theme because of the Mighty Ducks. So I like the underdog story. My first team was called Mystery Men. And it was kind of like Mighty Ducks, but not really. I couldn't take Mighty Ducks. Otherwise, I probably would have. It was <laughs> called Mystery Men. And it was And it was really meant to just be kind of a funny underdog type team. And we'd go out and we'd just kick everybody's butt and – I knew at some point if we got bigger that that name probably wouldn't be the greatest from branding. So I, I did it for two reasons. I rebranded it to take it to a next level. But I also rebranded it so that people didn't really know who we were So because our name started getting out there heavily. And um, I wanted to do that. So, so growing up playing soccer, doing that, I, I then got into football when I was seventh grade, I want to say. A lot of my other core friends started playing football. It was a cool thing to do, all the, the football players and stuff. I went to Glumbard West in Glen Island, which is a very, very rich, well-known, historic football program. And it was an experience. Uh, high school soccer at that time was not at what it is now. People were not following soccer um, back when I was playing like these high schools, like the, the soccer games are like the football games now. Had it been more of like that, I probably would have played soccer. But I instead played football, played middle linebacker my whole four years, still played club soccer. In the midst of all that, I was a huge Oscar De La Hoya and Mike Tyson fan. So I boxed from when I was like 13 to 16 years old. Really liked boxing. I really wanted to go golden gloves with that, but I kept getting headaches. I think I was hitting my head too much maybe and didn't really quite understand what concussions were at that point. And I think I may have had a few. So all those things and gaining all that experience and, and seeing what it took to kind of overcome different obstacles in different sports, I think that ultimately really taught me a lot about what it took to have a winning team and it, it really doesn't matter the sport. I I think you could switch sports and I could probably have the same success if I went to football or if I went to basketball. It's 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 about reaching your players and getting the best out of those players. And getting people to all buy into the same system and program. And also, not just running your own system. Running and developing a system that's best for the talent and the type of players that you have, I think, is the most important thing. And I think too many coaches today, they want to shove these philosophies and all these things down your throat. They teach you all these things in these different classes and courses. And Mm -hmm. in the end of the day, that's just not the way I see it. You can chuck all those philosophies and all those things out. Because proof in the pudding, uh, we go and play a Columbus Crew team. They've had all the philosophy that you can get, and they they should have lost. So h- how do you how do you answer that at that point? And it's got to tell you, it comes down to going out and problem solving to win a game. That's it. And if you don't win, how do you learn from it? And how do you overcome it the next time? You don't. You, if you don't win, you you learn, right?
2: That's right. Well, if you're smart, you'll learn. If not, you're you'll <laughs> So one of the things that Pat and I do at the end is we kind of do a takeaway. But before I do that, I usually try to make sure I follow and I'm understanding what you're saying and and I get and I try to reframe things into something that's short that people can take away. But I want to check in with you first and make sure that I understand that you use the word heart a lot and you talk an awful lot about that thing, that intuition, that good. I can just feel it. You can feel what that thing is off of Sasha or Isaac. Or it's just, you, I, can, I can't I can articulate it, but I know it when I feel it, when I see it. And Pat, you were saying the same thing. And I do my sports psychology and I'm just like, I'm hearing this thing come up and up again. I started taking some notes. And I think what I, what I heard you say, Garrett, and Pat, you've been saying this quite a bit too, Is I think you what is it, snap the leg or break I don't know what it's called. It's like break a leg if you're an actor or something like that. But what I heard you guys describe that might be a little more tangible to those athletes and parents and even coaches that are listening and want to learn, right? Is for athletes, they they have to have courage, right? It's not just fearlessness, but they have to have enough courage where they're not afraid to lose. And their attitude, their mindset is that it's, it's take it. Either you're going to take it from me or I'm going to take it from you. But one of us is going to take this ball, for example. And then the last thing is, okay, you got me. I'll be back, right? This isn't over. That's the learning. Okay, we're going to do this again. And in my mind, I'm going to be churning over and over again. Okay, so this is how he moves. This is how she moves. This is how they play. Got it. And so I'm going to step my game up because it's not so much personal in that, you know, they internalize it as something's wrong with me, but now I, I'm going to, I have to take it back. So it's that whole demeanor. It's that disposition. It's that temperament of, you know what? Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You won, you got it today. Okay. And, and so it's, it's this warrior spirit because that's what sports is. There's a winner, and then there's a loser, and it's very public. And sometimes it's a little personal, but it sounds like what you learned from all the sports that you did as the underdog, and Pat, you have your story, which was phenomenal. I don't know if you know this, gear, but he's a Hall of Famer. He was Apollo Ono's coach, one of his coaches. And so, yeah, so, and you I, I like, tried you look like a Hall of Famer though, Pat. <laughs> you know,
1: I know
0: one when I see one. Yeah, it was a few years ago, but I, but I still got that look. Thank you.
1: you still got <laughs> it, It's the it factor. I can see it in you.
2: That I had of- a
0: little bit of it. I wish. See, I was. I was not where some of those guys were, and I. I, I love talk I could talk about that stuff for hours. But mm. when you find those athletes that just like, you know, I, I call it like Michael Phelps, Tiger Woods, those guys who were just will will die to win. And then you got the next guys. Well, maybe they'll get injured to win. Well, the next guy, they don't want to get injured. The next guys, well, they're not willing to push it so hard. But yeah, I I, I love that stuff. And it, there's a whole different echelon of those type of athletes. And you're right. When you see them, you know it. And those guys are heads above everybody else. And it's it's a huge advantage.
2: It's huge. And, and, that, and that's kind of the point. So when we look at these qualities, I like to identify them for the listeners so they can start to at least wrap their arms around what is courage. That's, that's what heart is. You have to have a little bit of courage. And, and of course, that's fearlessness. But I can't be afraid to lose. I can't be afraid to try. I don't mean lose the game, but maybe lose at the attempt that means I'm going to try it again. Now I've learned something in those three seconds. Now I've got to go faster. Maybe I got to cut them off. Maybe I got to do a different type of angle, whatever. And the, the attitude, we call it the metal in that, no, you, you're going to have to take this ball. Like there, there's an audacity, right? There, there's an audacity in those players and those athletes. That's like, no, not today. You might win, but it won't be an easy win, and that's what you described in that one game against the MLS team. Yeah. Like they won wasn't an easy win, and they had everything. We were down three players. Now imagine if we had our three players and we had what you had.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it's it's. I will say that I think one of the most exciting parts for me as a kid playing was playing for a coach that I, I didn't want to let down. My parents didn 't know a lot about sports, but it, it was nice that they tried to come to everything that I ever had and i don 't know what it was, but I didn 't like to lose or not feel that they were proud of like my effort and I remember like making certain plays and you know all I cared about is what was my was my coach looking at me? did he see it, and did my parents see it and I feel like sometimes i didn't even really like what I was doing but it was For me, it was a passion of, of if that person gave me their heart and soul and really kind of helped reach me, it wasn't even just at a tactical level of, you know, teach me a skill. It was, hey, this is beautiful. teammates are counting on you. And I'm counting on you to go out there and, and rise to another level. And, and so
2: I don't want to like let them. What, what you're saying, Garrett, is that someone believed in you and that you realized you mattered mattered. And people were proud of you. Someone, were they watching? Did I make you proud? I might not have won the game, but did I make you proud in my effort? This is why we tell kids parents, don't tell your kid you're great, you're smart. That's horrible. we you tell your kid, that was wonderful effort because that you can build. Being smart, it's finite. Being good, finite. I can't get better. You're great. What are you going to do? You know, Michael Jordan it or something. I don't know, right? But if you had an enormous amount of effort and it mattered to you and you showed up, that's when you shine. Even when you don't realize you're shining, you're like, that's just brilliant. You're like, oh, yeah? Okay, right? And that's how you build up someone. You build them yeah. up by reminding them of what they did and how they showed up and how it mattered. And so I love that story. And well, I think when- it's hard because some no. kids
1: don't have the opportunity to have people in influential like that in life. And maybe they don't they're not good at recognizing that not every coach is gonna have all the answers, all the, the the skill sets, but what did he have that was positive that you could that you could really go out and perform for, right? Like uh, my coach was a dad. He was one of my good friend's dads. But what I saw is is a guy that cared and that did this for no money, took his time out. And he was proud of his guys for always battling. I didn't, I didn't want to let him down. And I see too many people that the hardest part for me is I get these kids and what they came from. You don't know what influences they have, what role models they had, that was in their life. Maybe they didn't have a good family life, whatever the case may be. And you got to try to pick up all those pieces of the puzzle and try to put those guys together. And I will say that. My biggest projects this year was this guy, Zaha Shikachenko, who is probably one of the most purely talented players I've ever seen. My God is he, he was was tough. Probably my toughest challenge I've ever had. And somewhere along the lines, this kid was let down. And and it just makes me go, man, I wish I would have had him. I was 13, 14 years old. This kid would be in... The Premier League scoring goals at the highest level. I mean, this kid is an absolute, absolute stud, and he's was one of my hardest guys to deal with. Wow. And he is. If you guys saw where he's was eight months ago, ten months ago, to where he is now, the kid is on a meal prep diet. He's, you know, he's on a schedule. He's working out. He's ripped. I mean, he's bawling out, and he's just like he's doing well in his life. You know so it, it's it's amazing that those are the cool things those are the reasons why I want to keep doing it. you know in the end of the day I don't want to keep money and stuff but and, and money is money and you know affecting people and having that impact and hopefully one day when we're all old, those people will look back and uh, you know they'll'll they'll talk they'll, they'll those moments
2: yeah. yeah Wow, thank you so much, Garrett, for sharing this wonderful part of yourself with everybody you know i i know will leave a really powerful energetic fingerprint on a lot of folks that you will probably never meet mm-hmm.
1: so no very it's, it's, i'm very i'm very uh very thankful to be on here anything we can do to get out the word and, and make a difference
2: so whatever
1: you guys want to do this again I'm, I'm open to it you guys caught me in my uh, off season right now so but maybe you'll get a different side of me when we're in season i don't know Maybe I'll be more on edge and aggressive.
0: (laughs) Well, hopefully we can help you with that a little bit. I I love hearing about your program. I I think just that whole bridge opportunity comes from just amateur athletes and a place for them to keep training and keep going and and perfect their skills a little more and and shoot for their dreams towards the MLS. I I love hearing about that. I I think it's just just a great program for athletes to – at least have some hope. And I I think everybody's heard hope is like one of the biggest things you can have out there. They have the hope and they have a place to actually try. And and I, I really loved hearing about your development program from my sports background. I'll tell you, keep running that thing. And then you're going to find that you're going to start filtering and funneling so many athletes that start coming up through that program because they get to train and play with different athletes on a weekly or whatever basis. And and they're going to love that, you know, playing with different athletes, playing with different coaches. And I found we did a similar thing, but bring coaches into that and train those coaches, and those coaches can go out and work with those athletes. And you're going to get more and more people together. I think you're onto something big, Garrett. I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes.
1: Patrick, it's funny you say that because I just had a talk today with our coach, Matt. And he actually just mentioned what you just said. He said, "Hey, let's let's contact these local clubs and invite these guys to come out and actually watch these because who cares at that point? Like the, the the whole goal is to to elevate the game, you know. And the the funny thing is is most of these guys don't realize this isn't my industry. This isn't. I'm not trying to make money at this, so yeah. it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I've spent my money, so it's a very different perspective." than this being my living. And that's why I was kind of telling you a little bit about Ginny is, you know, it's it's amazing the people that would attack something like that's pure like that. And ultimately, you know what, though, I, I hope that those people, if I can reach them and we can reach them, that'll be a good accomplishment because everybody's got a part to play. And if everybody can play it to their absolute best and we can have that impact, one day people will look back and say it was a, it was a very good thing. So.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, well thank we, I think you, we both Pat wish you the best
2: you. of luck with that. Yeah. Well, Pat usually closes us out because he is short and to the point and very articulate more than I am
0: with, with yeah, openings well, and closings. I think, I think you're on to something great, Garrett. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where that goes and, I think there's a there's a huge future for that, your sport, the athletes you're working at, just opportunities galore. It's just something I, I wish I had those kind of things in those younger days, just a place to go, a place to train, a place to have coaching. So many people don't have that. and You don't realize how big of an opportunity that is. And I, I applaud you for what you're doing. And I'm looking forward to the future, seeing where it goes. Thank you guys so much. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. And we appreciate having Garrett on with us. And we look forward to seeing you at our next podcast next week. Thank you very much.
2: Good night, everybody. Thanks, Garrett.